0: Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Read it with me. Paul's writing to his friends. To his friends in Philippi that he hadn't seen in 11 years. Epaphroditus, who's the now pastor of the church at Philippi, had come to Rome in prison and visited with Paul. And he gave Paul a report. He said, hey, in Philippi, it's just crazy. Man, things are going great. The church is meeting. The guys, the gals, they're rallying. It's just amazing. It, 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 they gave an offering. Here's some money so you can buy yourself some new Nikes while you're here in jail. And you know, Here's some, you know, get a hoodie and all these things that he needed. And so Paul's encouraged, and Paul writes this in verses 12 through 18. This is our text for the day. He says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident of my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. And the former, they preach from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. This letter is known in history as the letter of joy in suffering. It talks about suffering a lot, but it talks about joy a lot, and some pastors focus on all the joy, and some pastors talk about all the suffering, but we see intertwined here that there is joy in suffering. How many of you guys find joy in your suffering? Okay. Okay. Well, I love you, sister. Yeah. Most of us are like, nah, not really. You know, We don't find joy in suffering. We find joy in joying. We find suffering in suffering. Paul actually wants you to see this. Paul actually lists in the verses I read to you, he uses the word chains three separate times. In chapter one, he uses the word chains four times. My point is, is he's not saying that what's happening isn't happening. He's looking right at his chains while he's writing this epistle. He says, yeah, these chains, these bonds, he's actually while writing this chain to a Roman guard wall chained to a Roman guard writing to the church at Philippi, I you know what he says he says hey guys I just want to encourage you I'm chained to these guys these guys are so cool they look like they should be playing arena football in Alabama and they don't smell too good but they're my friends the food here it's not that good but I know they're trying their best and I sleep on the ground every night but man I, I know that's going to work out for good and I just wanted to encourage you guys that what's happening to me here is going to be furthering the gospel look at verse 12 again but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Stop right there their eyes up here. Paul's writing to the church at Philippi who are free. They're doing great. He's in prison, and he's encouraging them. Is that what you seek to do when you're going through a tough time? As a pastor, one of the job descriptions I have is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. <laughs> and so when I get the afflicted in my, in my, my, my flock... One of my jobs is to comfort them, reach out and to visit and to pray and to, to do home visits and hospital visits. And, and yet from time to time, there'll be people who are afflicted. They actually reach out to me and they text me and they message me in their suffering. And you've done the same thing. Yet let's be honest. By and large, when you're suffering, when you're down and out, when you're chained, when there's something obvious in your life that's got you down, if you're normal, if you're honest, if you're a little bit just like me, you're like, you know, I really just want encouragement. I don't always look to encourage people. And yet Paul's going to give us, I believe, a theme and an understanding that can change your life next time you find yourself chained by something. Next time you find yourself being held back by anything, it would be amazing if our response would be, I wonder how the Lord's going to use this. I wonder what the Lord's going to do through this. I wonder what the Lord has in mind behind this. If you're like me or like the normal population, we just want to call a lawyer, we want to call the cops, we want to call somebody, everyone's in trouble, you can't do this. Instead, Paul says, I want you to know that the things that have happened to me have actually caused the gospel to be furthered. Now, here's the good news. Jesus already promised that in this world you would suffer. You would have tribulation, difficulties, and setback. He already said it. And here Paul comes on and says, I want you to know that the difficulties, the trials, and the setbacks are what God uses to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to ask you right now, have you ever been through a really hard time in your life? Have you ever been through a difficulty and a setback and a challenge and something that maybe you didn't sign up for, something that was actually put upon you and you didn't ask for this and now you have to go through it? Have you ever been through something like that? It's called right now, right? It's called 2020. It's called right now. We went through that. Has the gospel been furthered? through the things that we've gone through as a community? Maybe in the people around you, has the gospel been furthered in your own life? I hope you can say yes, like my friend Regina here. I hope you can say yes. I hope you can say two years post-pandemic that you're a different man or a different woman that the faith of Jesus Christ has gone deeper and broader and brighter in your life and more purposeful, and the things that you are holding on to so hard in this life, you've loosened up and said, maybe it's not about these things. Maybe I need to have my eyes fixed on heaven. Maybe I need to have the lens of eternity. Maybe I need to have the heart of what God is doing. Let me just say something. God has preordained more trials for you in your future already to assure that this is your outlook. To assure that this is where your hope is. To assure that this is where your faith is. To assure that you have a heavenly mind while living on earth. God loves you too much. He loves you too much. Yesterday we were going through some text at the men's conference, and it it dawned on me I was thinking about that passage where Jesus said that the sower goes out and he sows the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the seeds go out on four different soil types. And when the seeds spring up, it springs up all over the place, but there's only a 25% return of all the word that goes out. Three-quarters of what Jesus preaches falls on deaf ears and on hard hearts and on stony paths. And only 25%, if you're using just basic math, are people that respond to Jesus and say, yeah, I want what he's saying. I want to go where he's going. I want to believe what he believes. I want to think the way he thinks. I want to see things the way he thinks. And God has asked you and I to partner with him to make our hearts his home. And so all the difficult things that you've been through, all the difficult things I've been through. God says, "I promise I work them all together for good." Romans 8:28. How many of you guys love Romans 8:28? Well, let's put it up on the board right here. Maybe you got that for us, Dave. Romans 8:28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's a fun verse. God's going to work it together for good. God's going to work it together for good. God's gonna... Did you know there's another verse? Put put 29 up there. For whom he foreknew, same thought, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that we, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Leave that up there. For whom he foreknew. How is it going to work together for good? For whom he also foreknew, he predestined to be, what's that word say? You can't read? <laughs> conformed. He wants you to change. Change. He wants you to grow. Oh, man, I can't believe God's going to work all things together for good. Let's wait to see how this works out. He's like, oh, oh, you mean you think I'm going to change everything to become good outside of you? Oh, wow. I better give him verse 29 too. No, I'm going to cause good in you through that which is not good around you. You're going to be conformed. You're going to be a better woman. You're going to be a better man even as the world falls apart. See, we want the world to, we just we want it all here and now. And I'm all into being present. Okay, I'm a peacemaker, I'm a worker, I'm, a, I'm gonna make it the best I can be. But the Lord says, I'm doing something deeper in you. I want you to be conformed. I'm gonna cause all things to work together for good, but I'm doing a deeper work in you. And Paul saw everything as actually producing good for God in that way and producing good for the gospel. Verse 12, again, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually uh, turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul was a one-trick pony with a one-track mind, and his whole desire was that the gospel would go forward. Now, Paul couldn't be stopped because of this. He wanted more and more men and women to know the gospel of Jesus Christ before he died, and he knew indeed that this would kill him. He knew it. And his only objective in life is that people would know Jesus and know Jesus better. So whether he was free, he was all about Jesus. Whether he was incarcerated, he was all about Jesus. Whether he had chains of affliction or freedom that he was using, it was all about Jesus Christ. And if there be any other imperative in our life or things that are important, man, we're going to be sorely disappointed. And here's the good news. You don't need to change anything that you're doing right now. You just need to change the lens that you have on your eyes in why you're doing what you're doing. In your job, in your family, in your career, in your ministry. For the furtherance of the gospel. And then let the Lord open up your heart today and say, Lord, I want the gospel to be furthered, but I've got my agenda. And I've got my techniques. And I've got my opinions. So Lord, would you help me like Paul to be chained to a Roman guard? And then encourage people to say, I just want you guys to know that the things that have happened to me have actually worked out for the furtherance of the gospel. It's crazy! He goes on to say in in verse 13, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. There was around 9,000 guards in the praetorium in Rome there that just took care of the jail, just took care of security. This is the FBI. This is the CIA. They're just kind of there doing the high stuff. And he says, all the people in the praetorium now know about Jesus Christ because of my chains. Paul's desire was to go to Rome as a preacher and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now Paul's in Rome, not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. And you know why? Because things rarely ever work out the way you think they are. You got some good ideas, don't you? I'm going to get this thing, and you get this thing. It didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. I want this job. This job's going to be so good. This job's not as good as I thought it was going to be. Man, I want to be a part of this relationship, and you get this relationship. This relationship's not as good as I thought it was going to be. Man, I want to get married. It's going to be so good. I get married. Man, marriage isn't as good as I thought it was going to be, you know. I hear people say that. That's not my story. But anyway, you might think that, you know. Man, I want to, all these things I want. Listen, as believers, we get the opportunity to trust the Lord no matter what's going on. Here's the deal. Paul was a one-trick pony with a one-track mind, and his mind was a singleness of mind. That is, he had set his mind on things above, not on things below. Philippians has 104 verses in it and throughout the text 11 separate times he talks about your mind and the state of your mind and where your mind is we see a little bit of Paul in verse 21 we're going to get there next week he says verse 21 he says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain nothing could stop this guy no matter what happened, it was an opportunity for the furtherance of the gospel. Again, if you're like me, you're just a natural born American and all the opportunities we have, they need to be set up in a certain way in order to bring success. And any setbacks come in my life, they're not successful. Now I got to just kind of get through this and wait till I get back on the track where the success comes. And God says, no, with me, even the setbacks can be set ups for God's will to be performed in your life. This is good news. Yesterday we were talking about the church and, and our church and the men's gathering. And one of the concepts of the church that, that keeps coming up is that the church needs to be a hospital. It needs to be a place where people can come in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their mistakes, and receive healing and mercy and hope. Isn't it crazy when you get sick or when you get hurt, man, the first thing we do is we call first responders. You know, you're all messed up. You see a car wreck, call 911 quick, you know, I just, just need help so bad. And, and then when the first responders show up, you're so, okay, finally help us here. And you start to feel this hope. And so too, that lens of heaven in the midst of a divorce, that lens of heaven in the midst of singleness, that lens of heaven in the midst of disease or barrenness, that, that lens of heaven in eternity, you can say, hey, 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 hope is already here. Help is already here. God's going to use this, but I don't want this in my life, and I didn't sign up for this in my life. Nor did Paul. Nor did you, nor did I. But when our mind is settled on heaven and God's mission in Jesus' glory, we're able to get through the things that come our way, and we're able to see that God is going to work them together for good, for those who love Christ. and that He's going to conform us to His image, and He's going to do a work in us so we might do that work through us now we again learn from the apostle paul again verse 12 and 13 he says guys i want you to know this worked out for the furtherance of the gospel of jesus christ let me just ask you something right now you guys are the 9 a.m crowd you're way more spiritual than the 11 a.m crowd <laughs> especially on daylight savings like what the heck, dude 11 a.m is going to be packed out a bunch of whoa, you know paul loved the gospel of jesus christ Everything he did was about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing could sway this man. Nothing could persuade this man. Nothing could detour this man. One of my favorite verses in all the Bibles, Romans 1.16. Let's put it up on the screen there, David says Romans 1.16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Just leave it right there. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power. Can you go back a verse, though? Let me see Verse 15. So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. That's his setup. I can't wait to get to Rome. He's in Rome right now when he writes this book to the church at Philippi. He's in Rome. I can't wait to get to Rome. can't wait to get to Rome. I can't wait. to. Why? Because I want to preach the gospel. As soon as he gets to Rome, where is he? He's in jail. (laughs) And he says, oh, man, this is so cool. I came here to preach the gospel, but now I got arrested for preaching the gospel, and all of the praetorium here in Rome are believers now. It's crazy. Because of my chains, because of my bonds, because of my setbacks, because of my failures, because of my difficulties. And let me just encourage you. We all have certain chains in our life. We all have certain setbacks and certain difficulties things that we didn't ask for, things that we didn't invite, things that we have to work for. Did you know that God's going to cause those chains to be connection points to the people around you in your life? If you didn't know this, Paul would be in his jail cell, and for every six hours, he would get a new Roman guard, and that Roman guard would be chained to him. Can you imagine these guards, like, all, you know, beefy and, like, stinky, you know, coming in, you know, not not the guards are stinky, you know, but the Roman guys were, you know, and they come in all brutal. These are bad guys, you know, and here's Paul. He's like, hey, what's your name? Tell me about your family. Tell me about your kids. I'm going to write this stuff down. I'm going to pray for you the rest of my life. And one by one, he would lead these praetorian guards to Jesus Christ. And people would come visit Paul in his jail cell. And Paul would minister to them. And he would write these gospel letters and send them on. These guards are watching Paul. And one by one, they all get saved. And they all become believers, the whole palace guard, because they had this connection to Paul, which was something that Paul didn't ask for, but something that Paul accepted, which was a chain, which was something that held him down. And let me just put this out there. You have things in your life right now you didn't ask for, things that are holding you down, that people are going to relate to you differently because of those things. It could be something you've been through. Maybe you've been through a disease. Maybe you've been through cancer. And you have a different understanding of what that looks like. And it's a chain in your life, but it's a connection to somebody else. Maybe you've lost a child. Something that nobody wants to walk through, but people walk through. And now the Lord says, I'm going to connect you to people at a heart level, at a soul level. And they're going to see Jesus in you. Like these guards saw Jesus in Paul. And it's going to change their lives. And it's going to be worked out for the furtherance of the gospel. Have you ever volunteered to the Lord and say, Lord, use my life however you want. And then you're like, well, not however you want. I mean, I pray all the time, Lord, let me be a powerful preacher and connect with people. I'm like, but do it on my terms. <laughs> That's scary. Because the Lord will allow things in this broken world to come into your life. It won't always turn out the way you want it to. It won't always become what you want. Did you know that even in your suffering, even in your difficulties, God causes all things? to work together for good, even as he conforms you to his image. This word here in verse 12 when he says that the gospel has been furthered is a Greek military word, and it literally means to advance and to open up byways and pathways for other people to walk on. It's what the army rangers would go in to set up camp and they would carve pathways in order that the rest of the team could show up. And he says, the things that have happened to me actually made roads and abilities for people to now see the gospel of Jesus Christ differently because of me. It's the idea that God wants us not just to be a part of what's already going on in people's lives as it pertains to the gospel of salvation and the ministry, but God wants us to pioneer the gospel Do you believe this? Your life's very important. God doesn't just waste words or waste time or waste cellular structure. He puts your life here because you're going to be like the Apostle Paul, somewhere tucked away, somewhere deep in the recesses of humanity. And your story matters. And God says, I want to pioneer the gospel through the change that you're going through. And I bet you there's some people here right now that feel chained. Man, I just and life just didn't go the way I thought it was going to go i am never been married wanted to be married and, and I'm chained to this thing called singleness and I'm over 50 I'm over 60 I'm, what do I do and the Lord says hey I'm gonna pioneer the gospel through you people are gonna see you they're gonna be connected to you Man, I wanted to be successful I just fell flat on my face I wanted to do something right I wanted to be strong I didn't want to blow up my marriage. I didn't want my kids to go astray. I didn't want to do these things. And man, I got these chains that are holding me down. And the Lord says, look at your chains through the lens of heaven, through the glory of Jesus, through the mission of God. And you can understand and know, I want you to know. He's right into the church at Philippi. Guys, this is all working out for good. Paul was so crazy in his faith. Nothing could deter this man. And his only mission was to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Years, not years ago, actually years ago, early in 2020, the Lord kept bringing back to remembrance this one portion of scripture where Jesus is talking, it's in Luke 21, it's it's a lengthy portion, it's like three verses, but I'm going to read it to you. Jesus is asked about the end of the world and it's a prophetical response. And Jesus says in Luke 21 verse 10, then he said to them, Nation, this is what's going to happen in the end days. Nation, this is what's going to happen right before the end. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences and coronaviruses. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. Stop right there, eyes up here. Jesus here predicting calamity and chaos in the near future, difficulties, setbacks, and chains. He says, but it's actually going to be an opportunity for you for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts to not worry about what you're going to say when you're brought before magistrates and kings and all those other things. I like that idea of settling it in your hearts. To what? To not worry about what you're going to say. Sometimes I do that when I preach Sunday sermons. That's actually funny when you guys think it, you know. To settle it in your hearts that you're going to trust the Lord. No matter what you come up against, no matter what difficulty is. God's going to use this for the furtherance of the gospel. God's going to give it to me as an opportunity to display my faith in my belief system and how I respond to Jesus so others can see that Jesus indeed is real. Let me ask you a few questions. What are your chains? What are your connecting points? What are those things in your life that you wish weren't part of your life? Maybe you grew up impoverished. Maybe you grew up part of a single family. You had a single mom or a single dad. Over half of today's families are being raised by single moms and single dads. It's a difficult situation, but maybe if you have that experience, now you have a connection point and you can have empathy and understanding. Maybe you were raised on the wrong side of the tracks. Maybe you were raised in an abusive family. Maybe you were raised somewhere. It just didn't go well for you. like, man, I'm all banged up. Things aren't going right for me. And the Lord says, perfect. Perfect. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to display my truth in your life. Maybe there's a situation you're in right now you just feel chained at home. Maybe you're a mom and you got all these kids running around. You love kids, but you just can't wait to love these kids after they move out. You know, this is awesome, but can I just encourage those who are chained at home raising up their babies right now, that God is going to use your faithfulness pouring into these kids, discipling these kids. He's going to use your faithfulness in their lives to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you moms and dads pour into your kids and disciple your grandbabies and pray for your children and send them out and you bear that responsibility, it's going to advance the kingdom. So often we look at our lives and say, man, I wish I could be a part of that. I wish I could do what Luke does. I wish I could do, go on these trips over here. But I'm just stuck here in jail, in this prison. God says, no, no, no. Trust me. That is a connection to the people around you. He goes on to say, not only is it a connection to the people around, verse 13, so that all the people have become evident to the whole palace guard and all the rest of my chains are in Christ. Verse 14, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Stop right there, eyes up here. Not only did what Paul go through in the way he suffered encourage the non-believers and give them a connection point, it also encouraged the believers to be those who shared their faith with more boldness. He says, now that I'm in jail and I can't share, guess what everyone else is doing? Sharing. Everyone got encouraged by my chains. He uses that word again. My chains have encouraged the people around me. Did you guys know that courage is contagious? Just like discouragement is also contagious. And when you choose to settle into your situation and say, you know what? God's will be done. He's going to be faithful to complete the work he began. He's going to cause all things to work together for good. This is all working for the furtherance of the gospel. The men and women that are watching you are going to either rise up with courage or they're going to cower in discouragement. We see this happening with Voldemir Zelensky right now, don't we? The president of Ukraine. Okay, he's being chased and he's being outnumbered and outgunned. And what's this guy been doing? And I'm not a political person, so if you've got political advice, you know, whatever question, send it to Tobias, not me. I'm just watching what I see. And Vo- Voldemir's standing up. He's like, I'm not running. I'm just going to fight. I'm going to stand my ground. And what's everyone else around him doing? Okay. Okay, we'll do that too. We'll stand our ground. We're not going to run. And when you stand up as a Christian, please listen. In the midst of your trial, and you choose to, to stay engaged in your family you choose to go to the altar of communion you choose to worship you choose to be faithful even when you're being chased even when you're being picked on even when the doctor report came back bad even when things aren't going your way the men and women around you are emboldened to keep going in their race your children will be encouraged your enemies will see you and they will be encouraged to also be followers of christ now i say that before I say what I'm about to say, obviously, that because your courage in the midst of a test encourages other people, God then will afford to you more tests. He just will, the rest of your life, for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know your faith needs to be tested? Number one, because your faith needs to be made pure. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 that our faith is tested that it be more pure than gold that perishes by fire. You have faith. Everyone here has faith. We have faith, right? God's going to test you to make sure your faith is pure. Not just so your faith becomes more pure, but so your faith becomes more productive. You're not going to get more faith than you already have without more tests than you've already gone through. The faith you have must be purified, but you must add to that faith and grow in faith. Faith is a muscle that you work. It's a conditioning that you keep up. It's something that you exercise. Why do I keep going through trials? Why do we keep going through tests? No pain, no gain. God wants you to grow more faith. Not only does it purify the faith you already have and it produces the new faith you didn't yet have, it proves the faith that you claim to have. You claim to believe? There's people around you right now that know you're a believer. They're not impressed with you. They don't even like you. I like you they're wrong and you say you're a believer and you can give them chapter and verse and tell them why and they don't want to hear it but when you go through a test and they see what you walk through and they see how you walk through it not only is God purifying your faith and producing more faith, He's proving the faith that you have It's easy to put on a Jesus real hoodie, I encourage us all to do so but it's even harder to walk through difficulty, setback, and failure, chains. Paul is saying here that the, the Christians who aren't in jail, they're more emboldened to preach the gospel. Everyone out there's man, they're fired up because I'm suffering. How am I suffering? Writing letters, cheering people on, saving everybody I come in contact with. Can't stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only does it purify the faith you already have, it produces faith you don't have, and it proves the faith you claim to have, it pleases God for whose faith you have in the first place. God works on a different commodity than we do. Apart from faith, anything you do is sin, the Bible says. God actually sets you up to live your life in areas and in times where the only way you can move forward is by faith. He says, that's pleasing, I like that. That, 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 that took faith, didn't it, Luke? Yeah, that took faith. so cool. Thanks for doing that. Other opportunities, other situations in your life where it's just you and you're strong and everything's going great, and I was like, cool. Kind of just, you know, fodder, wood, hay, and stubble. Didn't please me. When you are forced to live by faith, it pleases the God for in whose faith you already have. And when the believers in Rome saw Paul in his chains and he wasn't whining, wasn't complaining, he wasn't weakening, it gave them encouragement. And that encouragement that Paul had was contagious. They were saying things like, if Paul can do it, I can do it. And they were going around. I'll tell you what, the same thing happens in our church when I see you guys walk in in the valley of the shadow of death and your tests and in your life, and you're letting your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It encourages me. I see the FTK for the King building, and I see the women's Bible studies, and I see the people going into the jails, and I see the people who are doing things in our church, going out, and Dr. Doug here praying for patients all the way through their surgeries, and people who reach out and are letting their faith shine. It encouraged Paul, and it encourages everyone. It can't just be one person. This is so, this is how, Paul's so stoked. This whole book's exciting, isn't it? Philippians Just get after it. Stay pumped. But Paul, you're in jail. So what? All the guards are getting safe, man. We got prison ministry from the inside. This is legit. Paul was doing what God had asked him to do. Verse 14 again, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Look at verse 15. He goes on to say, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, but sincerely, but not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Stop right there, eyes up here. Paul's like, people are out preaching and teaching and sharing now that I'm in jail. He's like, you know what? There are a couple people out there that are preaching from selfish and envious ambitions. They're actually glad that I'm, this is crazy by the way, I don't want to unpack this too deeply because it can go negative real quick. And what Paul is saying here though is that there's a certain group of people that are Christians that now that Paul's incarcerated, they're excited because they can take over his Bible studies, they can take over his corner of the street there, and they can take over his supporters, and they can kind of move in, and it's kind of this like church competition thing. Have you seen churches in competition with each other before? No? Okay, I've seen it once or twice. And it happened back then in the first century, and Paul would rebuke the church at Corinth, saying, why are you guys all divided? Some you say you're of Paul, some say you're of Apollos, some say you're of Peter, some are so spiritual, like, we just have Jesus, we don't even have a pastor. You know, you guys are all messed up. And it's been happening for years, but here's Paul's lens. This is crazy, Paul's lens of heaven, the glory of Jesus, the mission of God. He's like, some people are preaching for the wrong reason. He goes on in verse 17, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Stop right there, eyes up here. Paul says there's this division in the church and some people are preaching for the wrong reason. Some people are actually preaching for the right reason. I'm in jail. I really don't have any bearing or control over what's going on around me. But his conclusion, look at verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. What? Some people are out there ripping me off, talking trash about me while I'm in jail, but they're preaching Jesus. And some people are out there preaching Jesus because they love me and they know I can't, so they've picked up the baton, they're running for me. He's like, you know what? Whether they're doing it for the right reason or the wrong reason, I don't really care. Christ is being preached, and in this I will rejoice. Yes, again, I will rejoice. Only through the lens of heaven can a pastor say that about people out there who are critically opposed to him. You guys have any critics in your life? A couple of us. I got a few critics. It kind of freaks me out, kind of freaks me out, because I I know my heart, I'm I'm kind of, you know, I know know my heart, I know my, I know, I know me, and my goal, hopefully your goal too, is the same, is to really just bless people, and to put the gospel out there, and then when you get attackers, and critics, and accusers, and these things that come against you, it's one of the most confusing things in the world, but I'd love to say I've never been an attacker, never been a critic, never been an accuser, I wish I could say I've never done that against God's pride, but we're all kind of tainted, we're all kind of critical at times. And Paul here, our pastor who says, follow me as I follow Christ. He says, guys, don't worry about that church down the street that's talking trash. Guess what they're also doing? They're preaching the gospel. And that's cool. That's cool. Don't worry about that person that doesn't like you. Don't worry about that person. They're preaching the gospel. And while that person that might not like you or there over here, you also have your friends and the people that do love you that are preaching the gospel. Don't get all messed up with the things down here. Paul in jail rejoicing. That's number one, like, you know, an uh, encouragement. Paul also in jail, seeing all the chaos and the confusion in the world, says, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and rejoice over that too. God bless them. God's going to use them. God's going to, do you know that? I choose to make this my faith system, that I know God's going to use the men and women of this town, and use the people around me, the people that don't understand my heart or this church. I, man, God, you've got to be able to use them too, just as you use me by your grace and mercy and your grace and mercy alone. It's the lens of heaven. It's the understanding of God's glory. So here's my challenge to you and my challenge to myself. That we would have that same mind of Paul that no matter what change you're dealing with right now, may it soften our hearts and connect us greater to the people around us. There's certain things in your life that are in the future you can't avoid. They're just coming for you. And instead of resisting, we say, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be identified with that group. I don't want to have to go through that thing and say, may this be what softens my heart and gives me an inroad and a connection to the people around me. For in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. It's really not about you, and it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God will allow things in your life to purify your faith. He will allow things in your life to add strength and more faith. He will allow things in your life to prove your faith. And he will allow things in your life that require faith so you're pleasing to the Lord. So no matter what's going on, no matter what difficulties you find yourself in, may the Lord give us that single-mindedness that we wouldn't be distracted by the critics, by the people around us, by the things that are happening that are out of our control. Verse 18, once again. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. There are things right now that God has had you walk through, things that God has ordered for your future that will be the very platform that God uses in your life to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've told this story many times before, but it's worth repeating. I already mentioned Horatio Spafford, who wrote the hymn, It Is Well With Our Soul. Another great hymn writer and songwriter, Fanny Crosby, years and years ago, she was born a healthy little girl and was doing just fine. And At about age of six weeks old, she developed this infection in her eye and the doctor there that was local at the time put some medicine in her eye and it blinded her, it burned her irises. She was screaming and yelling, and the mom said, Please take it off. And the doctor said, It's gotta happen. And long story short, she was blinded forever and could never see again. Horrible. Huge mishap, big mishap. Oh man, difficult situation. And Fanny Crosby grew up in a Christian home and was taught the values of Jesus, and God gave her a gift in her blindness, and she was a songwriter and a hymn writer. And through her gift and her sensitivity and her difficulty, through her chain, she was able to write 8,000 hymns and Christian gospel songs. I don't even know 8,000 words. I don't even know. She's putting them together. And when she was interviewed in one of her autobiographies, she was interviewed about the tragedy that happened to her at birth. And somebody asked her, if you could go back in time and change what happened and not be given this blindness at six weeks of age, would you change? and have a normal, full life? And she said, no, no way. I would never give up that which I received in my blindness and what God gave me in this affliction. And she went on to say, and the very first person I see when I get to heaven is going to be Jesus Christ. Now, that's amazing faith. All of this comes down to having the lens of heaven in the one-track mind, understanding that what God has began, he will be faithful to complete it, and that what you're dealing with right now is going to be used by God as a connecting point to the people around you and an opportunity also to encourage the people that are beside you. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray and ask the Lord to do these things in our lives and to show us even now, this group gathering here, what those points of affliction and connection are that we might not reject them, but that instead we would embrace them and ask like Fanny Crosby that God would give us eyes to see Jesus through them. Lord, I thank you for my friends here. I thank you for this portion of scripture where Paul says encouragingly to his church there in Philippi, like, guys, it's actually working together for good. All those things, the shipwreck, the imprisonment, the two years in the jail, all of the betrayal, all of the misunderstanding, all of the hardship, <laughs> it's crazy, it's all working together. And I pray for us, Lord, here that we would have greater faith Lord, I pray in the mystery, maybe there's somebody here this morning that says, Luke, I I believe all this stuff, but I just, I I still, I'm I'm in the dark. I don't see how this divorce, I don't see how this disease, I don't see how this death is actually going to further the gospel. I just don't, because I want it back. I want it to turn right. I wanted it my way, and I'm just, I'm just broken. I'm stuck. And maybe you're here, and you would say, you know what, I want to be unstuck. I want to trust the Lord. I need him to help me. I choose to believe in God. Lord, would you purify my faith? Lord, would you produce more faith in me and would you lose my, use my faith, Lord, to prove your reality in other people's lives? Maybe that's you and you're broken right now and you're in a changed situation. Would you just raise up your hand if you want the Lord to intervene? You would just invite the Lord into your jail cell, into that area that's crippled you, something outside of your control. It's not fair. It's not right. It's, it's, it's bad and just invite the Lord in, Lord. Father, I have my hand up as well in those areas that I feel, Lord, that I can't go on. Those areas, Lord, where I feel like I can't see you and I just invite you in, would you have your mercy on us? And we ask, Lord, that you keep our hearts soft and you would use us. You can put your hands down. Lord, would you anoint us to be those people that when there's setbacks and difficulties that we choose to believe that the gospel will be furthered and I pray that we'd rejoice in all things. Forgive us of our sins. Maybe you're here watching right now uh, online or you're gathered with us and you want to give your life to Jesus and say, Lord, have your way. I need to redo. I need to restart. I need you to save me and to be my king. Lord, I want you to forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit right now, and I need you, Lord, to do this. Take me as I am. You died for sinners, and I'm a sinner, and I need you to forgive me and save me and fill me with your Holy Spirit and redeem me and use my life to encourage others. Use my life, Lord, to prove the gospel is true. Use my life to make the gospel further into other people's life. Use me. If that's you, would you just raise up your hand right now and give your life to Jesus Christ? Amen. I see hands going up. Amen. Anybody join these? Say, yes, Lord. Use my life to further God. Save me, Jesus. Save me, Lord. Amen. There's hands all over. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. You can put your hands down. Lord, would you anoint us and lead us? Would you cause Lord our lives to shine for your glory and not our own? Work all these things into our life. We love you. We need you. Bless the 11 a.m. service, Lord. They're going to be all confused with the time change. We love them, Lord. Minister to us and lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen god bless you guys don't forget all the announcements this next saturday at the newport christian church nine to one work day for the school i'd love to have you guys and help us move that vision forward other than that all of the activities here at the church love you guys god bless you you're dismissed